Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Recruiting Every Second here on the Believe Podcast Network, and it is Wednesday, May 26th, the year 2021. We get another day here to talk about SEC football, SEC football recruiting, and college football recruiting in general, and just so excited to have you with us whether you are listening on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you may be listening to this podcast thank you so much for subscribing if you don't already subscribe make sure to hit that subscribe button so you get all of our shows automatically downloaded going forward and you don't want to miss it because we've had some great guests so far and looking forward to to having more in the future, like today's guest, who is the executive head coach at Jacksonville State University, Mr. J.R. Sandlin. He's also worked in the program at Alabama before, at Notre Dame, at Tennessee, all in the recruiting realm, and really does a great job providing just a service to athletes everywhere through what he puts out on social media very positive message a very informative message so if you don't already make sure you go follow at jr underscore sandlin that's s-a-s-a-n-d-l-i-n and make sure to give him a follow and he will be our feature conversation here but before we get into that we do want to touch on i went ahead and ranked the programs in the SEC that I think have done the best job in this transfer portal because it's just a way of life, guys. The SEC transfer portal, uh, the NCAA transfer portal is just going to be a way of life from here on out, especially with the one transfer rule that has been put into place. And, you know, SEC presidents are going to be voting on whether they're going to allow immediate eligibility inside the conference transfers here before too long, and I'm sure that will have tremendous impact that could even have an impact on someone like Arik Gilbert, who a uh, little bit of personal news now. I'm over at Rivals. I just got hired for UGASports.com. So if you enjoy my content here on recruiting every second, you can go over to UGASports.com. And I'm now a contributor, writer, recruiting analyst over for Rivals covering uh, UGA football recruitment. It's specifically but we are here on this show calling, covering everything SEC and in the transfer portal. Uh, man, it's it's something where these guys, these college coaches are really, you know, putting it out there on the line, betting that, that these prospects that they're going to bring in are going to be able to replenish their rosters and help them to 
kind of change the odds their teams have of winning the SEC. And speaking of, uh, you know, putting something on the line and uh, betting and, and, and handling the odds, our show is brought to you today by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Free. Doesn't get any better than that. If you're so inclined to do so, then head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get into these SEC transfer classes here, the ones that I'm going to rate as the top classes, and we're going to go start at the very top. The The group that I think has done the best so far is Auburn. Uh, they just got T.J. Finley, and anytime you add a quarterback like T.J. Finley to your room, it has a live arm, has you know, he's played four games, you know, for Auburn last year as a, or excuse me, for LSU last year as a starter. And I think TJ Finley is going to bring a really interesting dynamic there on the plains. Now, Bo Nix has someone that uh, is a real threat to possibly take his, take his job. And, you know, Mike Bobo and Brian Harson have a lot to kind of sort through there in Auburn. Uh, Bo Nix, obviously extremely talented and, don't think he's quite hit his potential, full potential that he had out of high school in the Malzahn era there uh, for a variety of different reasons. But we will see what happens there on the Plains. But the reason I'm also ranking Auburn up near the top is they brought in uh, several key pieces on defense as well. Tony Fair, you know, anytime you get a big 330-pound guy to put there in the middle, um, be kind of an anchor on that defensive tackle position that's a great pickup especially for a guy like like a brian harson who's more of a uh seems like a more you know hard nose just no nonsense type guy having that big man in the middle is definitely going to help their program out tremendously lost some dbs there at auburn so they bring some right back in drake dre miller from west virginia donovan kaufman from vanderbilt i really think those guys are going to help out the program tremendously so Auburn is the number one program I'm giving the spot to. Number two is going to be Alabama. They've only brought in a uh, very few guys, but Henry Toa Toa and Jameson Williams, Henry Toa Toa, the all conference linebacker from you know Tennessee, all American linebacker, and Jameson Williams from Ohio State that's just going to give Alabama Fair or unfair, it seems like just another tremendous weapon. So Alabama done a, done a great job there. Georgia, with the addition of Tyke Smith from West Virginia, they really desperately needed depth in that secondary. Tyke Smith has just absolutely stepped things uh, up when it comes to that star position. Someone that's going to be able to plug and play, and you know that's that that really helps Georgia this summer because they were they were struggling for depth. They lost Major Burns to LSU at the safety position. Well, now that keeps people from having to to flip around as much have to cross train as much you still have to do some of that but tacky smith for avoiding injury or anything like that he should be able to kind of lock down that star position going forward and help georgia stabilize that secondary of course they also got brandon turnage uh to provide depth they 
reserve safety from Alabama, uh, was a four-star prospect out of high school, hasn't played a ton over there for the Crimson Tide, but we will see what ends up happening as he makes his way to the classic city of Athens. Then I'm going to go with Kentucky. The reason I'm going with Kentucky over Tennessee, because uh, I, I had Kentucky four and I had Tennessee number five, is because I think Kentucky is better positioned to have more success in general in the SEC this year, and so that makes the pickups that they've got more crucial. So Will Levis is being added to the quarterback competition from Penn State. We'll see. They have Joey Gatewood there. Uh, have some some high school guys who you know have yet to be able to prove themselves yet. So some younger prospects there. So Will Levis is going to have a chance to compete right away. He's not on campus yet, so who knows what's going to happen with that Kentucky quarterback position? It is going to be a battle all the way up until the season gets started. Then of course they added Wandell Robinson and Trayvon Morgan. Wandell Robinson is just an electrifying ball player. Uh, comes from Nebraska. You know, maybe underutilized a little bit at Nebraska. He's tough as nails as well. Just extremely difficult to bring down after the catch. So, Wondell Robinson's getting a lot of national attention as well. You know, some people even saying he can be a dark horse for the Heisman. Well, that that could uh, that would entail Kentucky being very very successful, which I do think they're going to have a good year this year. And then Trayvon Morgan. Anytime you had a six foot six, two hundred fifteen pound receiver that has, you know, uh, good dexterity, good athletic ability, you know, from Michigan State then obviously that's going to help out as Kentucky transitions towards uh, a new style of offense as they basically didn't believe in the forward pass or weren't able to use utilize it over the last couple of years because of situations with the quarterback. And then number five, like I said before, is Tennessee. Uh, Joe Milton, Tennessee from Michigan. That's another another piece of the quarterback puzzle. If it, Nobody knows if it's going to be Brian Maurer, if it's going to be Harrison Bailey, if it's going to – who knows? Going to be the quarterback over there, Hendon Hooker, transferring in from Virginia Tech as well. So, but I think Joe Milton has a chance to to be a. Obviously, he's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. So we'll see if that is recognized and fulfilled over there at Tennessee. Then they also added some pieces, some key pieces on defense. Former four-star prospect from USC, Caleb Trimbley, a big defensive tackle from Kansas. Dejon Terry, who ought to be able to produce right away. And then William Mohan, a outside linebacker prospect. Uh, only played in one game last year for Michigan, but you know, coming in being in that in that one of the premier programs in the country, at least in terms of uh, how it's how it's set up and the, the funding and all that kind of stuff. He's used to a college program. So uh, Michigan sending two transfers, Tennessee's way and Joe Milton and William Mohan, and that is our top five SEC transfer situations in terms of who's taking advantage of the market the best. Some honorable mentions I will throw out there, Jack Abraham to Mississippi State. Uh, you know, he get he provides some competition to Will Rogers there. Demarcus Bowman to Florida. Who knows if Dan Mullen will actually use the running back or not. And then Ramon Davis to Vandy from Temple, a experience running back in that situation there so that is our sec transfer market roundup right there and now we're going to get to our conversation with mr jr sandlin and now as promised here on recruiting every second we have jr sandlin before i bring him on here i want to give you a little background on jr sandlin 
He was a graduate assistant recruiting intern at Alabama in the beginning of the, the Saban era, moved on to Tennessee's director of recruiting, hit Notre Dame as a recruiting analyst, and now is the senior executive head coach, recruiting coordinator, and tight ends coach at Jacksonville State. And we're going to bring him on right here right now to help us out with some recruiting insights. Mr. JR, how you doing, sir? Blaine, well, appreciate it. Thank you for uh, that introduction and, and having me on. Really excited to, to visit with you and share some information, share what I know, so we can do to help others. Absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned that first, and I, I do want to hit on that first and foremost. Your Twitter follows is one of the more what I call, you know, refreshing, interesting Twitter follows out there because you do a lot for recruits, not only guys that you are targeting there at Jacksonville State, but also, you do a lot for guys that are rec being recruited, men, women, that are being recruited at every sport, every level, by uh, just asking simple questions and talking about plan and purpose. I, I was hoping you would touch on that for just a little bit. I'd be happy to, Blaine. Uh, it really starts with what did you get into coaching for, J.R. Sandlin? Well, I mean, it, it comes down to that I felt like a change needed to be made. I mean, uh, you, you focus so much on, and it's not just coaching, but it's a lot of industries out there in the world, so much of a focus on what you can get from the individual and not enough on what you can do for the individual. I mean, if your life is not about sharing what you know, helping, serving, then what was it for? If you shared nothing, what was it for? And, and I just ask questions kind of like that, and I feel like it's at the end, at, at the end of the day to help people is what it's about. It doesn't matter if you they play at Jacksonville State. I think it's if you have information that can help someone better their, their situation, better their circumstances, better their place, maybe stuff that they don't know. I mean, most of these kids are going through the process for the very first time. They don't know what they don't know, and they don't have all the guidance. I didn't have that type of guidance out there when I was going through the process. And if you don't share what you know to help and serve others, then you squander it. And you didn't, how can you ever say you shared? You can't. Um, and, and I really look at it where, sure, I mean, the, the, I never expected it to be what it is now with the following and stuff. I just thought about sharing content because when I was at a high school before going to Alabama, I helped kids make their highlight videos and helped them get recruited. And, and that was all it was. I just wanted to help them and educate them and be there as an advocate, as a mentor, as an encourager. There's so much noise out there that there's so much noise in this day and age that's just garbage. And it's and it's all about what are you doing to serve the human heart? How are you helping the human heart? How are you sharing your life with another person? And it doesn't matter. Like I had to ask myself this question a long time ago. If are you only trying to help the kids that you're trying to get? And is that really pure help? Let me say it this way. If you're only helping the ones you're recruiting or you're only going to help the players when you finally get them and you didn't help anyone that you, you couldn't get or the ones that could do nothing for you, would your help be actual pure for them or would it be self-seeking or self for the program and all that stuff? Don't get me wrong. I know we have to serve on and respect the place that we're at, but we can also serve honor, respect and show dignity and honor to, to every other human being that's out there that has a dream and has the ability to dream, why not? Uh, and that's why I, kind of the, the belief behind it. You know, like I said, I got in the industry because I believe that that statement Billy Graham said, I really do. A coach will impact more people in one year than most in a lifetime. But I raise the question, what is the impact? 
what is the impact now? Is it a is it a is it a industry? You know, we're one nation under God. Was well, it an industry under God or is it an industry under greed? And I believe to be the change you want to see in this world, you have to go be the change you want to see in this world. And I've always believed it was a ministry. I always believed it was all about helping kids, encouraging kids, honoring those people, also giving them boundaries uh, and hold them accountable and also giving them a chance. Absolutely. That's fantastic stuff, guys. If you don't already follow J.R. Sandlin, you can follow him at J.R. underscore Sandlin. That's S-A-N-D-L-I-N. For those of you not watching on YouTube, if you do want to watch on YouTube, we're going to have a couple, couple different ways to do that, and you'll be able to see that over on our Twitter page. You can follow the show using at recruiting underscore SEC, and my Twitter handle is at bgilmer18. Now, JR, you you know, we will get into some of the Jacksonville State stuff here in a little bit because the FBS and FCS do have different ways of going about things with the number of scholarships. I know it's 85 or 63 and all, all of those things. Yep, and I know that COVID has thrown a monkey wrench into all this with roster management and things like that, giving the, the kids option to have that extra year, all that kind of stuff. But I do uh, want to, before we get into that, want to draw into your background a little bit. Alabama, Tennessee, Notre Dame, of course, Alabama and Tennessee being SEC schools and then Notre Dame recruiting on the level of an SEC school uh, oftentimes. Just a lot of people don't understand the hours, the crazy hours, the effort that goes into this. Before we get into the start of a class, can you just give people a little, little glimpse of what it's like for these coaches, recruiting coordinators, assistant coaches that are going through this recruiting process for, especially at the uh, FBS, SEC type level? Sure, absolutely, Blaine. So really, when you when you start off the process, you just got to focus on the three cores of recruiting. It will always start with what? Identifying. Then it moves on to evaluating marketing and customer service really those four things are the same things as sales that's all it is it's a sales job recruiting is sales so you have to identify your customer obviously in sales but with recruiting it's identifying the prospect and I, I think with each and every one of those schools they have to do such a great job of identifying all the players in their state the and it comes down to how do some of these kids get identified early they play early if you're a freshman playing on varsity football or take a Leonard Fournette playing in, as an eighth grader playing on varsity, your eye, people are going to take notice in that. Now, it's also very difficult for some of those kids because they're, they all bloom differently. They all develop differently. I remember watching a kid as a freshman came to campus six foot. He ended as a senior six seven. There was no way of actually just understanding when that kid would bloom or, or take the Carson Wentz that people missed out and went to North Dakota State. He was six foot something, then grew into six five, six six in, in college. So trying to project a lot of these guys are, are very difficult, but it all starts with identification. And it, it for example, when I was at Alabama, we had to do a great job identifying all the kids we thought um, in state, especially could have an early offer. So if you're a sophomore, you know, those in-state schools are watching you because it's kind of like that in-state school is responsible for some of those players too. Alabama wouldn't go into Texas if Texas has an offer that sophomore. You know, why would they be offering that person? It's almost like that state has to be a little bit responsible for taking care of those early kids. But really going through the process, it always starts with identifying. You watch the film. It normally starts with a highlight. You view that highlight. 
if he's someone that you're intrigued by, you pass him through the recruiting process. If it goes to the recruiting coach, the position coach, the coordinator, the head coach, each school's different. Some of them just go, you know, some of them so much now on the general manager. And so, and, and, and the general manager and the head coach make a lot of the decisions. So, but each school has their own unique different way because you still have to count on the coaches, those full-time position coaches to do what? Recruit, recruit them and go out and see them and evaluate them. And, but it starts with that highlight. And as you build that highlight, you want to get workout film and you want to see live game film. But you always start with the highlight because if, if you don't like what you see on the teaser film, or the trailer, you're probably not going to watch the movie, right? And and the things they, if he's not doing certain things on the highlight, you're probably not going to expect it on the on the actual movie. But really, when you go watch the game film, and that's obviously what I'm making as a reference point to the movie, uh, you're looking to see if he's doing what he's doing on the highlight consistent enough. Is he playing with the motor? Is he playing with high intensity? Is he sprinting to the ball? If he's on defense, how's his pursuits throughout the whole game, third quarter, fourth quarter? You love looking at situational football, too. What's happened on a third and short? What's happened on a fourth and one? What's happened in the fourth quarter? The game's behind. The quarterback, you're on your own 99 or, you know, whatever the hypothetical situation. You want to see how humans respond. And you have to do really – now, that's, you're not going to see that on the highlight film. You have to watch the game film. Um, so you got to watch a lot of film to answer a lot of questions that you have. But then as you watch the film, what's the very most important part? Can we get him in school? Is he going to be a student athlete? So you can like everything on the film, but if he don't have the grades, he's not going to be playing anyway. Um, so you have to do a great job of watching the film, seeing where he is academically. And you'd want, and that's why a lot of these programs recruit two to three classes out because some of these kids, I'm telling you, those ninth grade years, I've seen more transcripts where ninth grade year was a disaster. And it goes into that sophomore, and those kids, I just didn't know. What do you mean you didn't know? Well, you know, it just comes down to education and you got to do a great job of educating, 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 informing, informing, and informing, because again, a human being doesn't know what they don't know. Um, so if you can catch them early, you can get them a good academic plan. It's a little bit tougher. Let's just take us, for example, it's a little bit tougher for an FCS or maybe a group of five when they start recruiting a kid that's going to be a senior. And you look back at the transcript and you're like, we only got a semester or two semesters to get you to a two, three core, whatever it is, and we have to do a really good academic plan. But if you can catch them beforehand, it really makes a lot of sense. But I really think the the part that a lot of people don't realize is how much investigating goes into picking people. That's the big part. I mean, since 2008, 19% of college, of FBS programs have what? Lost their head coaches. Since 2008, 19%. So let's just round that to 20. And so in two years, you're at 40% of FBS has has lost their head coaches. And I think that has a direct reflection of what? Picking people. If you don't pick the right people, you can't expect them to produce the product you're looking for. So what do you have to do? Once you see the film, once you know they have the academics, you got to find out what type of character they have. What type of teammate are they going to be? Because someone that's showing up late in high school is probably going to show up late in college. Someone that's not scoring touchdowns in high school probably won't score touchdowns in high school. I mean, college. Someone who's not a good teammate in high school is probably not going to be a good teammate uh, in college, someone who's disrespectful in high school is probably going to be disrespectful in college. You're talking about an 18, 19 year old kid and how much are they going to change? So you have to do a really good job and asking tough questions and asking not just the high school coach, 
but so many individuals along the way, if it's a guidance counselor, if it's, I'll tell you what, ask the school secretary or that volunteer mom in the high, in the, in the office, they know, oh, they know. And they, come on, those, those mothers love to gossip and tell the goods, but you just <laughs> got to find those right people to, to ask. So I say all that to really paint a picture of what those offices have to do. You got to identify, but it's constantly identifying the film. You've got new names. Watch the highlights. Do you think they can pass it through? If it is someone that passes through, you go through that whole recruiting process of watching the film. And what happens as you watch the film, questions occur. So many questions. Well, what's his initial burst like? How was his long speed? Uh, or you didn't see something. Take a running back. All you saw was a whole bunch of runs to the left, to the right, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Well, we don't know if he knows how to block. We don't know how he runs in space. We don't know if he could catch. There's a lot of questions right there, and you have to write those questions down to then see it happen when you go on the road to recruit them at a practice, you want to see it live, or you go to a game, you're looking for those things to check off, or you finally get them to camp so you can check those things off that you've got questions based off their athletic ability and attributes for the position. So I know that's a long way to say kind of everything that goes in, but there's you have to be so defined in every detail so you don't miss anything. Because if you miss anything, it's because your details were wrong. The way you were doing it was wrong. And you're making an investment and you got to do what? First and foremost, protect the institution that you're working. Because if you don't protect it, you lose it. Absolutely. And in in terms of so when you talk about identifying, you know, watching film, answering all those questions, talking to references basically is what you're talking. It's basically like a job interview, talking job to those interview. That's right. talking to those references. Are you I mean, are we talking potentially when you add collectively on the staff hundreds of hours per prospect, I mean, by the time it gets to signing day with those guys? Early on, you're watching the film and you're looking at some high school transcripts and stuff like that, and you're building a pool of people. And then once you build that pool of people, you're going to then determine where they rank out on the board because we all rank them and we all place them on the board based off needs or what we think that potential can bring to the table and see if that potential can actually help us produce wins. Um, so then you have to rank them. But at probably once you get really into that, that when you're ready to take start, start taking commits, and some programs take commits early in its junior year, some take them as senior, but whenever you're in that process of starting ready to take commits, you feel like you've identified a lot of kids, you're pretty confident with your board, that's when a lot of that investigation going on because you got to remember people are looking for reasons not to take you. People are looking for reasons not to hire you. People forget that, and you got to make sure everything checks out. I mean, people are. Why should we not hire this person? Why should we not take this commit? And when you give them no reasons, you'll give them no reasons, and that's everything how you handle your business on a day-to-day -day basis. You just said a phrase there when they're ready to take commits uh, that's something i wanted to touch on with people is not every offer is created equal am i am i right in, in stating that not every offer is the same sure you could say that because there's lots of forms of offers there's clearly the blue chippers out there that are elite talent that you would not get in a class later um you could use uh you can, like I mentioned earlier, a Leonard Fournette. Oh, that's a no-brainer. That's you got players that are no-brainers that can come in better than the players that you've got, better than the people in your room, better than the depth that you've got. But then a lot of the players out there are just depth guys because a lot of them are the same type of player. Uh, so, yes, there are different types of offers. You have your no-brainer offer. He can commit whenever, and we're also going to hold a spot, and we'll over-sign for that individual. 
But then you have a lot of those other guys that are that that tier offer where here's the guys that we feel are about the same. And it could be four or five guys, and we'll take any one of them. We like them all. The character all matches out. Academics, are, they all check. They all check the boxes. They're going to be a really good depth player. They're obviously going to have potential to be a starter, but they're all about that same guy. So then you have the third tier where probably that more that offer is must. Well, you know, this team offered. If we're going to have a chance, we're going to do what? We're going to have to offer. Now, we're not going to necessarily take the commitment because we're going to let them know they need to come on campus. They need to check this place out. We got to make sure we do our due diligence. It's a business decision. You know, you'd probably be a little more slow play, just being honest. Um, and then they also have a, that, that tier in that where we got to see some things. We got to see you live. We got to evaluate you live. Um, and then, you know, you obviously just got the, the recruits that you're recruiting to watch you develop because they might have the size. They might have some type of athletic attribute that you're really excited about, but they don't have the other ones. And you really got to determine, do we need to take a developmental guy or do we have time to take a developmental guy? That's another big question because we all know if you're not winning now, you're probably not winning later. And you only have the now. And that's why there's such an urge to to win now. Um, and if you do it over consistently, you see some of the elite programs at Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, they, they win consistently and they win the now all the time. So, But there are those tiers of offers where you have the no-brainer. You have your tier guys where you believe that we'll take any one of these guys. We're happy with them. And then you have that next tier of we have questions on them. Yeah, we'll throw an offer out, but we got questions on you and we need to see you live. Uh, but we all, but a lot of that is to appease the, to appease the noise, to appease the crowd. Well, I didn't get an offer. And if you actually want to have a chance with someone, you got to give them something. But that doesn't mean they can only, that doesn't mean they always can commit. And I think a lot of kids know that. I mean, there's a lot of kids that have a, a lot of offers, but if they want to know if they're real, call the school and ask them, tell them they want to commit, and they might pump the brakes. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you can always find out really where you stand, and a lot of them are, we want to watch you. I think an offer truly means that a program sees potential in your play. They believe you possibly have the potential to help their program produce wins, but guess what you have to do, Prospect? You have to continue to prove that your potential can and will produce those wins. So what does that mean to you? Just because you get an offer doesn't mean you take a day off. And actually, you got to step up the grind even more because there's another one behind you. And this is yeah, this is a great game. We all know that. Football's a fun game, but it's a production business. And I think a lot of recruits find out real quick and early that college football is a business first. It's a corporation. It's your first taste of real corporate, real business. And how often would you say maybe that happens where a prospect comes and they're like, hey, I want to commit. <laughs> and and you either you as a recruiting coordinator or as an assistant coach or uh, or maybe when you were at those other schools, you have to kind of, you don't, obviously nobody wants to be disrespectful. But I mean, does, does it happen? I've always wondered that, you know, not having gone through it myself. I think you got to be honest and transparent. I think that's always going to be the key. Uh, also, I think a lot of kids got to remember. I think they don't really realize this. The moment you get an offer, you don't know that team's situation. And tomorrow, the situation can change because tomorrow is only a mystery. What if another team, another player commits? Well, it, it's very rare that you get maybe, well, not 
to my knowledge, I don't know if many people do this, but hey, I've gotten all the commits that I'm taking at my position. So let's call all the kids I've offered. Hey, let's just let you know, just letting you know. And, and it's the same way. It's not like many of these kids call the other coaches and all the schools and say, hey, I'm committing this one. You just kind of find out on Twitter or wherever it is, you know, that we're not getting that kid now. So it's just kind of how it goes. Um, but I, I don't see where a lot of kids do that. Obviously, a lot of coaches probably don't don't do that as well. But you don't know the program situation. And you got to remember the program situation's needs are always ever-changing. And they're always focused on what? What we have to do to win now. So, for example, I don't know. Let's use a hypothetical. You could have a junior league get drafted. Well, we weren't expecting that. So do we go get a transfer now? Do we go get a high school kid that we believe that can develop? Well, we've offered all these high school kids, but now the needs have changed, and we feel like we need to go get a transfer that can play right away and fill in that need. Because at the end, at the end of the day, the program, those teams are responsible for what? Winning now. Winning now. And that's the business of it. you got to win now because you might not have later. And I think that's what a lot of kids have to realize. I mean, yeah, it's that's the business of it. And it, and I know a lot of kids get frustrated and um, and sometimes probably don't think it's the, the right way of handling it. But you don't always know what's, what's going on on both sides. And that's why if you can be honest and transparent and, 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 and keep that line of communication, because that's what we really get frustrated with. You didn't communicate with me. Right? Humans get upset with that part. You just didn't communicate with me. And the lack of communication is probably the, the strongest uh, source of creating that, that upset frustration on both parts. Speaking of communication, you, as someone who's in charge of recruiting, building out a infrastructure for recruiting, and you mentioned social media, I mean, do you guys now, it, you know, whether it's FCS level, FBS level, whatever, I mean, all these kids are involved with social media, do you have to just constantly be moder- monitoring you know, Twitter, what's going on? How is that assigned and communicated throughout a staff? Well, you're look, you're looking at what they're posting. You're looking at what they're liking. You're looking at what they're retweeting. It just goes, it goes into that character evaluation as well. When you talk to the individuals, you want to see that everything checks out um, when you ask those tough questions. But you also want to see what you're posting as, as well. Um, you want to make sure what you're posting is a direct reflection of what? Who you are, ultimately, your heart. Um, and are you going to be that great teammate? Are you going to be that great representative of our school? Because that's what it is. You are getting a degree. You're coming to play a sport. doesn't matter what recruit. doesn't matter if it's football, basketball, baseball. doesn't matter whatever it is. But more importantly, you're coming to represent our school and become alumni, become uh, an ambassador, become a recruiter, become someone that's going to wear that logo proudly the rest of your life and, and with schools are making that investment. So yes, you got to check all those things to see what type of person is going to be the representation when they leave. And more importantly, like we mentioned earlier, you got to do a great job of protecting your own program first. Name image and likeness is really going to be a whole new deal for everyone when it comes to, uh, when it comes to college football recruiting and the, unification and building of a locker room as you go forward. Just some of those thoughts and questions that came to your mind. We were talking about earlier uh, when it comes to NIL, uh, you know, this is a bit, you know, everybody's time is valuable. And I know I'm going to, I've been keeping you here for a little while, but if you could touch on that, 
if you could touch on that NIL for us, uh, we we would really appreciate that. Really, with that name, image, and likeness, I think you just got to ask the question. There's a lot of gray area, now. and the the individuals that you know they've been selling jerseys for a long time. Let's just use that, but they only sell the jerseys of the ones that the kids are interested in. I mean, the kids know who they. You know, we're talking about the little kids. They know which player is the right player. And I don't mean it's the right or wrong player, but it's the ones that they have interest in. And it's going to be eventually just the guys that these individuals have interest in. Um, I think it's interesting what's going to happen in recruiting. I mean, are you really are you really legalizing buying people? I mean, is that what you're really doing? Um, and people are going to go to the highest bidder. I mean, that's that's something interesting to raise the questions. I think you got to ask all the questions to um, is it giving t- I think it's play. What type of locker room are you building around when someone is liked more than the other? Are we? Let me ask this question: Are we unifying the locker room? Are we dividing the locker room more with this? And that's just a question for anyone to ask. Are we? Are we playing into someone's naturalness, which is they're focused on their self gratification, their self satisfaction, their self glorification, their needs? Are we focusing on the team's needs? I mean, is it just going to end up being minor league football? Um, and I think you've got to really look is, are you doing a disservice to the team? Are you creating more discord? Are you creating more discontent? Are you creating more disconnection? Are you creating more disagreement? Are you creating more division? Well, I know all of those words I just said do not scream team. None of those words create unity and togetherness and solidarity and, and team. And I think you just have to do a great job of, like I mentioned before, you have to protect the program. And is this doing a really good job of protecting the program and building a team? Is it building the me? Uh, and, and also, where does this continue to go? Because there's a, not a lot of the guidelines to it. And, you know, you know really... It's interesting to me. Are you guys at, at Jackson, Jacksonville State? Are you going to be having to, you know, say, okay, we have these alumni that are in this this situation that can, you know, bring you down to the car dealership and do uh, autograph signings with you X times a month versus this school that has these connections? I mean, is that what it's going to come down to? You know, with some I of these, so. you, it comes down to the school's network. But I mean, I think some people have not asked. Think about how many athletes. Okay, let's just, how many athletes actually go bankrupt, right? Professional. I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but I think that's a direct reflection of the education. What are we going to do to educate these individuals? Because I'll tell you this, I mean, the NCAA and college football is a big, it's, it's big, right? But I'll tell you what's bigger, the government, the IRS, Uncle Sam's going eat, to eat, get his. The big mm-hmm. dog is going to eat first. And I, I raise the question, are we going to have players, not necessarily ineligible to compete, but haven't paid taxes on this. Exactly. You're, going to have to learn, you're going to have to learn how to pay taxes. Or is athletic departments going to hire accountants to help them with all this? I mean, there's obviously marketing firms I've heard uh, people are using and, and going to be able to, to bring people in and, and help them to learn how to manage their, their brand likeness and, and image and how they can make money off that. But if you're going to make money, you're going to also have to pay taxes on it. And what are you type of job are we doing educating? Well, we see a lot of professional athletes have gone bankrupt. So obviously in the past, we've not done a good job educating, teaching, and and sharing information to help serve those individuals. So what are you going to do for the current athletes? You know, we've not done a good job in the past, it looks like, just for all college sports. 
So what are you going to do for the current ones? Because we know, like, like I said, the IRS is, you're going to have to pay taxes and you don't want to be not necessarily ineligible. It's the fact that when someone comes and gets you because you haven't paid. Yeah. And we also know people are greedy. They want to keep what they make. Um, so it's yeah. just, you got to do a great job of educating and, and teaching. And I just, and you just look at it where does it create more team or does it create more division? Does it create unity or does it create division? And I think you just raised the question that way. Um, you know, everyone wants, I think it's, what does it feed? You know, what, what dog does it feed? I think you hear that all the time. I mean, what dog, the positive dog, the negative dog, which dog are you feeding? Are you, are you feeding the self, 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 self dog? Are you feed, feeding the selfless, the team? Uh, I heard one coach say it this way. How about all the name, image, and likeness? All that money goes into one pot for everybody. And then you share it across the board with the entire team. Now, it, but we also know human nature. If I'm the only one bringing all the money in, why am I going to share it with it? Exactly. I mean, it's greed. Um, and I think you've got to figure out the right way to manage all of it. And since it's new and it's a little bit unknown and the rules aren't clear, you're going to see some serious management issues because it's not been clearly defined from all its different areas and 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 it can create a mess because I know any type of any when you don't define things, it does create chaos. When you don't put a standard on stuff and have no way of holding it accountable, it only creates chaos and confusion. And that's not going to be that's not creating team. That's not creating what you want for for I think people because you want people to have unity and togetherness and solidarity and and understand that we're stronger together. Um, and you want everyone to have that equal playing field and you want to give it, see, as a coach, you want to give everyone a chance to even compete. Well, people, the stands, the people in the stands are going to determine who they paying for. Absolutely. I mean, well, uh, you, you can see everybody here on recruiting every second on the believe podcast network. This was our interview here with JR saying JR, this is just so much, uh, that, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, um, but I, I do want to try to get you, you know, back maybe for another episode because I think we've got more that we can get into uh, that, down the line. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on here to talk about recruiting and some of the changes. But definitely, I think if you would be willing to, maybe later on this summer or something, we come back and see how some of this stuff has developed and uh, touch on it a little bit more. Absolutely. So this this has been our interview with J.R. Sandlin here on the Recruiting Every Second podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can use uh, at recruiting underscore SEC. Follow Coach Sandlin at J.R. underscore Sandlin. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you all next time. Presented by Bet Online. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. 
Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.